Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I am your boy Buzz. I'm joined by my dude Tony, aka Tony on Tap, and we're here to recap a basically a Yankees series here. We did have the Field of Dreams episode on Thursday night, but this is our first time since then. So we're we're back here. We're back. Uh before we get into this episode, be sure to go on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap, at on tap sportsnet, following tone at Tony on Tap, me at Buzz on Tap. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us, five-star rating and review, because that's cool and tough. Check out Grandstand. You need some socks, threads, probably that awesome hat that Tony's wearing right now. If you're on the live stream, you can go to Grandstand. That's where you can get it. Go to grandstandsocks.com. Check them out on socials at Grandstand Socks. Or if you're by the ballpark, just walk over to Grandstand. They'll hook you up. Anything you need, White Sox related or Chicago sports related, go to Grandstand. Tone, Sox lost the series, but you had a hell of a Thursday, and we're going to talk about that. But first, before we even do, how are you, man? Buzz, I'm doing fantastic. It's Sunday fun day. I've got a couple of Budweiser's lined up. I see you're uh, you're cracking them as well. It's great to be back on the mic. It's it's great to be back here talking White Sox baseball. Was uh, was a hell of a weekend for the White Sox. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah, it was, man. I mean, it just comes down to, uh, you know, you come off such a high in the Field of Dreams game where Tim Anderson hits the walk-off home run. To, uh, Johnny and I did the the post-game for that because you and Steve had the hell of an adventure. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that one, yeah, too. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. Um, you know, but you guys had a hell of an adventure getting in, into Iowa, getting back to the hotel and everything. But Johnny and I locked that down, and, and, and Johnny titled that episode Such a Movie. And it's because it had the makings of what maybe one day will be a movie because it was just so, you know, Sox fans will love that movie. Yankees fans probably won't <laughs> take that, but you know, whatever. It was just a great night. Uh, exciting baseball. As Johnny and I said on that episode, a home run pun intended hit by the MLB on that game uh, presentation. The, you know, the teams that were picked absolutely phenomenal. Um, after that ends, Tone, you know, we get into uh, off day on Friday, you go into Saturday and Sunday's games and doesn't work out, you know, it doesn't work out for the Southsiders and it's just uh, continuing to further the narrative that they cannot beat good teams. And that's just something that as a Sox fan, I kind of laugh at because we're so ahead in the division that I'm not too worried. Baseball is a game of, of hot streaks and all of that and having it together. So I'm not too scared right now, but I, I will tell you, I'm annoyed. Yeah, I'm annoyed as well, Buzz. And I don't know where you want to start with this. We don't have we don't have the the glorious Johnny Ninety rundown. Sockside Mike is in here. Uh, Mike, crack him. Crack him uh, cheers, cheers to you. Um, and if you are on the live stream, drop some comments in here. We'll we'll make this somewhat interactive as we go along um, throughout the rest of the night. Uh, we're going to talk some Field of Dreams, I'm sure. Uh, we're going to talk some White Sox versus Yankees. But Buzz, annoyed is a great term. 
uh, to use for this one because it does further the narrative a little bit. I think if we want to talk in generalities here first, uh, it does further the narrative. But I kind of get the same sense as you where it's like, hey, I mean, good baseball teams are going to play good baseball against you. And, uh, you know, just something that I, I kind of, you know, I was getting a little irrational during today's game uh, as, as things got into the late innings. Um, and you're just sitting there kind of watching it and all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, good teams are going to play good baseball. Jen kind of calmed me down for a second uh, during that game. She's like, hey, uh, Jen, my wife, for those that don't know, she's like, hey, like we've been within striking distance every single time here. But I'm like, no, this is still fucking frustrating, Buzz, because you want to win these games. These are the games that, you know, kind of get you prepared for the playoffs. These are the kind of games that have that type of atmosphere, sell out crowds, um, you, you, you want your best foot forward in every single game. And it just makes it that much more frustrating. I think last time I was on here, we talked about, you know, when we lost to, uh, what was it? Minnesota. And yeah. I was like, I'm kind of happy we lost this. They needed a little kick in the pants. These are the games where I'm like, I'm not happy we lost because I want them to beat the good teams. I want them to be the best. I want them to be the team to beat. Um, and so it, th- those ones sting a little bit more, but in the same sense, like they did play some good baseball. They gave themselves opportunities to win but they were not able to execute. And I think that's the frustrating part you want to talk about. That's why I said more so annoyed than, than like, obviously annoyance can lead to frustration for sure. Right. Um, oh, I, I'm frustrated I, with runners in scoring position. Every single yeah, time around base, I feel like they should be able to drive those in. I know that's not realistic, but it should be better than where it's at. It should be better than where it's at or something now. like that. Yeah. I, I'm just more so annoyed. The Sox were in striking distance. I mean, they had Saturday night's game one. I'm not going to run through the, the the whole scoring for Saturday nor Sunday. This is a Sunday fun day. We're just going to talk about what we saw. Um, I This is where I get irritated is I have this inner battle in my head. And Lord knows if you put something on Twitter that people don't like, you're going to get fucking crucified. So I'm just not, I'm not trying to do that. But I am, oh, yeah. I am, I am really having severe doubts um, moving forward about the long ball. I'm not taking anything away from Liam Hendricks here. I'm, I'm not saying he's not a good pitcher. I'm not saying he's not an effective pitcher. He's been great. He has the most saves in the AL, but he's also blown five. Um, you know, that's a, that's a lot. It's actually new. Uh, well, <laughs> not new. It's happened in the past, but it's, it, it's, it's newer to Sox fans over the last two years when you had a shutdown guy that seemed to get out of everything. I'm not saying column A's better. I'm not saying that. I'm not throwing these stupid fucking hot takes at the wall to see what sticks so I can be I'll, right about it. I'll something. throw you a hot take here. Go ahead. I'll throw you a hot take here because I said it last night. I miss 2020 Alex Colome because you didn't you didn't have that type of feeling going into the ninth right now. And I think that that's fair to say. Without he, being, he made some buttholes clench, dude. Like he I mean, did, for me, he did for every me, now he and then. Did. You he know, did like, every now he did every now and then. Sockside Mike back again. Uh, him and Kimbrel need to get their fucking shit together. I think that's a great way of saying it. You're, I'm not mad that we have Liam Hendricks. I'm not mad that we have Kimbrel because I think both of those guys are lockdown closers. Yeah, they're great. In a, in a way, I'd rather butts be clenched with runners on first and second and being out of, being able to get out of an inning That's than fair. just the random like home run. Because when you have that random home run, there's a run right away. Like Colome didn't really give up the home run. It was more or less like you know, let's load the bases. Let's all fucking hope that we're going to get through this without any damage. And, and to an extent, he limited the damage. That was okay. Where, where we have the problem with Liam Hendricks, at least for me, is his home run rate is like very, very gouty. It's it's bad. Yeah. And, you know, you're getting close to like two, 
two per nine innings uh, worth of home runs here. That's not good for a closer because the long ball is so dangerous late in the game. Because if you're coming in in a safe situation or a tight, high leverage situation, one or two runs is the difference in, in a ball game, Buzz. Like that's the guy that shouldn't give up the home run. No, and you're right. You're right, and I, and that's where I'm kind of leaning towards a a shake up. And this has been mentioned by multiple other outlets. It's not just us here. We do have an article about it on Untap. It, it, it's switching over Kimbrel and Hendricks. Um, a lot of people say that you know Tony or will put him in a bad situation. He's coming in to you know do these other innings, and he should be closing, and that should should be what he's doing. But when people tell me that, I was sold. And you please correct me if I'm wrong, but I was sold more so along the lines, Tony, that he is a multi-use reliever. Yes. If I could, yes, be, yes, it, I don't yes. know if multi-use yes. is the right. No, word, the, but you know the, what I'm. You know what I'm saying. I know exactly though? where you're going with this, and I can't yeah. wait to springboard off of it because the reason why people were so happy that they passed on Alex Colomay and went to Liam Hendricks was because he could do more. He could do more. He can come in in the seventh inning in your highest leverage spot and get you out of things. That's, that's what I was sold on was that like, this guy isn't just a closer. He's the, he's the greatest relief pitcher. Yeah. He's a real deal. Holyfield. He can get yeah. the job done anywhere you, where you put him. And I'm not saying that he can't right now. It's just a really shitty slump. But again, the long it's, ball it's not is even really a it's not even really a slump when you go and you dig into some oh, of I guess the numbers. I, say, I guess I say the when slump. When you dig into the, the numbers, it's, it's it's just a problem with the long ball. Like that's it. It's just a problem giving up home runs. And that's you know, somebody was trying to argue with me yesterday that like, you know, like he's he's been lights out all year. It's like, no, he really hasn't been lights out because you even saw the, the meltdown in, in Detroit where he gave up the home run. There's been times where Liam Hendricks has blown a save and we've gone into extra innings. And and either lost a game or won a game afterwards, where some of that stuff can either get covered up or, or lost in in whatever it is. But you know, I, I think this goes back to some people's kind of problems with Tony Larusa and the bullpen management. Where you know, I, I I can say like, hey, first off, like I support Tony Larusa. I think he should be manager of the year. If if we want to go in and we want to break down some some of his bullpen usage and and some of this other stuff, not now he's not the guy on the mound. But I was also sold with you that Liam Hendricks is more versatile than what you saw out of out of Calame. And I know he hasn't had a great year up in Minnesota. I know he hasn't been you know the lights out closer that he was in 2020. And that's why I say I missed 2020. Alex Calame is because like the job just seemed to get done. The job did seem to get done, and the White Sox more or less walked out with victories in those games. And I, I just don't know if 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 Hendricks right now at this juncture, and it seems like since Kimbrell's been brought in, and this is all just eye test. This is all just how I'm feeling as a White Sox fan right now. It feels like since Kimbrell came in, like there's just been problems with both of them. And I don't know if that's if if that's just a a thing that both of them are going through where it's like, okay, now I've got to outperform the other guy and they get, they get a little, I don't know, just they're, they're leaving a ball where it shouldn't be. I mean, well, just that's what you're seeing. With I don't, right I don't know. You're seeing meatballs over the plate. Yeah. But you've seen it with Kimbrell too. You and have. I mean, you just go back to yesterday and Kimbrell had problems and then people wanted to go crucify Liam Hendricks. And I put out a tweet. He's a problem right now. Absolutely. He's a problem right now because if you're not closing down the ball game, you know, Aaron Bummer shit looks nasty right now. So maybe he deserves it. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this. It just feels like anytime somebody's in there, the long ball is the problem versus walking guys, you know, giving up a few hits, 
things don't look as crisp, but the job still gets done. I, I don't know. It's it, there's just this unsettling feeling for a bullpen that should have been lights out from the get go this year that Rick Hahn had to go address. And then now is still a problem at the back end because you've got uh, Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks both struggling at the same time, keeping the ball in the ballpark. That's just not great. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't no. feel like a strength when this should be a strength. Right. And especially after last night's game, which was Saturday, if you're listening to this on Monday, Saturday night's game, uh, when Pito hits the home run to tie it in the bottom of the ninth with two outs, absolutely electric shit. Um, I felt confident with Liam Hendricks coming on. And I was like, okay, this is a big moment. He's going to redeem himself after the Field of Dreams game. That's in my mind, right? You know, that's what I'm thinking in my mind. Obviously, it didn't go that way. Um, and it was pretty fucking bad. He went a third with two hits, three runs, two of them earned. Obviously, you have the the bat, you know, the runner on second rule there. Um, you know, and he's, you know, he, he lets up a long ball. And he gets pulled and you could see he was visibly irritated after he was pulled. But I mean, my God, you just had to claw your way back into this game to even get into extra innings. So, I mean, there's a lot of issues right now in that bullpen that concern me, which is funny. Cause I, I mean, in the beginning of the year after the Kimbrell trade, I didn't think I'd hear myself saying those kind of things, but that this is where I'm at right now. I don't know what the change should be. And quite frankly, uh, people that cover the team might have an idea. Like, I mean, I cover the team. I, I Again, I said the Kimbrel, maybe Hendricks switch, just get, get a little funky in there. Who knows? Maybe what you said. Maybe go ba- you know, case-by-case basis. I, I don't have uh, just a closer. I have, I'm have. i going to go with a guy that has some nasty shit right now and's not getting hit, and I'll take my, I'll take my lumps if and I'm see, fucking wrong. Yeah, and see, this is that's so out of context for me because I love the traditional defined rule. I think you know this, that I'm – I'm a baseball traditionalist. I'm all about the nostalgia. I want the closer to be the closer. Um, I'll wear that every day of the week. But right now, it's just like, I don't know. You know, you heard Tony La Russa pregame today say that, uh, you know, Liam Hendricks is ready. I hope he gets a chance to close today's ball game. Uh, he wants to go. And it's just, to me, like, I hear that. And I'm just like, there, there's a guy who, I mean, he's a competitor. I don't think that either of us are going to deny that Liam Hendricks is the ultimate competitor. He wants to be there. He wants the ball in the ninth inning. And so far this year, I'd say he deserves it. I mean, he's got a career high in saves so far this year. Um, you know, it's, it's, he I don't leads know the it's, AL. yeah, he leads the AL. That's it. Uh, I don't know if it's his career high, uh, but he leads the AL and saves. Um, you know, he's, he's just, he's been, he's been good. It hasn't been perfect. Um, you know, and he's on a big contract. So let's put some things in perspective. Uh, here was a guy that came in and was billed as going to be your lights out guy. Obviously, like we'd all love it if he never gave up a hit all year, but that's not going to happen. It's not it's realistic. Just, it, it's not realistic. What hurts is when he does give up hits, they tend to leave the ballpark in safe situations or high leverage situations when you have uh, a, a tie ball game. So that's, that's a problem. No, you're absolutely right. And, it, it, and to your uh, to your last uh, point there, it actually is a career high in saves for Liam Hendricks. Uh, 26 is his uh, uh, how many saves he has this year. In 2019, he had 25, which was the career high for him. Yeah, so and we're in we're in August. Like, let's put that in perspective. Hey, what's coming in here saying that kind of stuff? Jeremiah Astro's going to beat that ass. <laughs> Dude, God damn it. Get out of here. You're being ignorant. You're ignorant. But no, it, it's uh, it, it's annoying, man. Like, I don't know where to go from here. Again, thankfully, it's not my job to determine where to move. But again, like you said, you're more of a purist traditionalist. 
I don't really know what I consider myself. I kind of ride, like to ride with that hot hand. Whatever feels right in that moment is kind of how I live my life. And then kind of based off of that is how I would kind of manage if I was a manager, which I'd probably be fucking terrible. But, you know, hey, um, I, I, I just I don't know where to go if you have these two lights out guys struggling at the same time. And again, the lead in the AL Central is just so so prolific or prolific you know right it now. is it, and it, it, it's just it's so, so i'm not scared but I'm i not, uh, i'm not either i hope they figure this out yeah like, it, i hope they figure this out and that's one thing that like you know i want to preach some patience here with this and i think like okay like am, am i happy as a white Sox fan with this weekend no no i'm not i think that the field of dreams game you separate that like the yankees could have probably come in here and easily swept the white Sox, and we would be having a very different discussion right now because things would be a little somber but at the same point in time like you do have the luxury of guys going through slumps right now and getting mad and and and, and being upset with the way that the white Sox played but when you look at the standings right now you do have that sort of luxury to figure this out right now. It's and a major I think it, cushion, dude. It is. It is a major cushion. I think that I think that they can get through this, figure it out, get themselves ready for, for October. Uh, and and Mike, better now than October, the same same sentiment that I'm going for here is is just the fact that you have afforded yourself this. You're still getting healthy. You've got Yasmani Grandal coming back soon. Hopefully, I know Tony LaRusso said earlier this this week that uh, he's ahead of schedule. Uh, that's going to help your pitching staff. It should. It should help your pitching staff uh, to have your most competent catcher behind the plate. I know we can get into some some catcher stuff later on here, but from a bullpen stand, from a bullpen standpoint, and and, and a pitching standpoint, there's some things that they've got to work out. And it's better that this is happening now than later on in the year. It's just because it's baseball. This is happening against some good teams buzz. And I think that that's where it draws a little bit more of a critical eye and, and deservedly. So, yeah, no. And, and that's totally fair. Um, again, I'm not out to put, you know, to pitchfork and stake after anybody right now, there's, they're, they're a little, a tiny bit of a, a rut there in the bullpen and it'll get figured out eventually. And like our boy, Mike said, you know, they'll figure it out better now than in October. Um, a thing that I do kind of want to touch on, you brought up the catcher thing. I'm trying to stay away from that with the 10 foot fucking pole. I like Sebi. I like Sebi there. Um, not that I'm saying that Sebi is the be-all, end-all. Of course, that's Yasmani Grandal. I can't wait till he gets back in the lineup. Zach Collins does nothing for me. He actually hurts my body physically. I don't know what happens when I watch Same him, Tony. Too. But he fucking hurt. It hurts me to watch him. And I, I'm not trying to hate on the guy. I heard his dad's He's got a burner. Ho- he is the Jose Ruiz of the lineup. It's just like, I, I know his dad's got a burner. He's been going at everybody that's been tweeting his name or whatever the fucking case may be. But I am just so... I'm good on that experiment now. I, I tried. He's first round pick. I wanted him to have as many opportunities as he possibly can. He beat out Jonathan Lucroy for a roster spot, which I think that Rick Hahn right now, even though I think Lucroy's still sitting out there, I don't know if he got signed or not. I haven't really paid attention. But, you know, it, it, you know, he beat out a guy like Lucroy in spring training who was hitting the cover off the ball, let's be honest, in, in spring training. And you gave a shot to your former first round draft pick to try to figure this out and be on a competitive team. And then when your guy goes down, you know, your star signee, the biggest contract ever handed out in Chicago White Sox history, the Yasmani Grandal, I think it was, right? That was, I'm right. Um, you know, and yes. down and then Collins doesn't do anything. And then you have a career AAA guy come up and, you know, 
outperform him. The, the catcher spot to me, I think is like, I don't, I don't even think we need to waste time on that. We know when Yaz comes back, it needs to be Sebi. And that's where I'm at right now. If we're not, you know, that that's it. There's some arguments though, that, you know, Sebi's had some problems defensively and he came in and he, he was, he was pretty good defensively to start. And the problem was the bat. And then the bat woke up a little bit. And then, you know, now it's defensive, but I mean, Zach Collins, just for, for one second, I have to say this this year, be war negative 0.5. And I know that's not even just a thing, but you've got, you've got 27 games in 2019, nine games in 2020, because you had a good, you had a good catching tandem in James McCann and, and Yasmani Grandal and both were healthy. So only a few games there for, for him, but then 65 more games this year, buzz career wise minus one B war. That's not good. And you've got a career 185 batter through 162 games. That's basically a full season of baseball. That's your, that's your rookie year. That's your rookie year. Your rookie year. You batted 185. What That's was the not, OBP just to, for people? The OBP is 303 because he does draw some walks. He draws some walks. Yeah. He draws some walks. Now, can you give but me slugging? Slugging is 325. That's no so, bueno. That's no bueno right there because you can tell that most of that stuff is not you're, – you're just not generating enough at the plate to sustain being a subpar defensive catcher and a, like just – not good at the plate like uh, again and that's the thing too if i i mean i would challenge anybody at this tone if, if sebi hasn't been good defensively in some people's mindsets now you need to look at the lesser of two evils which you don't want to be talking about on a competing team do you, do you want that's going to make numbers? a run yeah i would love sebi's numbers it's sebi's like numbers? it's like 214 he's hitting right am i right around so he's a, so far career and i mean this is just this is Basically, this is, his, his, this is very size. small sample size because you've gotten only 77 plate appearances out of Sebi Zavala. Yeah. Uh, he's hitting uh, career 191, okay. uh, which is not much better. Well, it's I would say well, career, yeah, this year it's career this year improved. hitting 214. Oh, right. uh, wow. He, he's got an OBP <laughs> of 302. Yeah, you were right on. But the slugging this year is 464. So and I know that that's propped up by the three home run game. I know that's propped up by the three home run game, but it, it's at least something that you have to explore a little bit more. If you're the white Sox, to see, you know, which one of these guys sticks after, after Yasmani Grandal gets healthy, because you're not carrying all three. No, you're not carrying all three. No, 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 that, no, that's not happening at all. And, and the thing is, is the neither of these love, guys are, neither of these guys are great. No. And the people that love war, if you go to B war baseball reference, okay, he's a point two. Okay. He's a point two. So, I mean, obviously the numbers there defensively add into that as well. Three home run game. Like you said, for the slugging, he's a better option to be there. You don't need the left-handed at bat with Collins being a left-handed catcher. I'm sorry. If you hear the craziness upstairs, I gave Ren a kitty cocktail and she's on fire right now. So perfect. That's, that's my bad, but um, you know, I, it doesn't make sense. He has a switch hitter. He can hit from the left. I, I don't need Collins up here. I don't care if it makes Giolito comfortable. He didn't obviously didn't pitch to him today. And then maybe that's why we saw a hundred pitches through five or four or whatever the fuck it was. You know, I, 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 I really don't know. But the, as far as the catching thing goes, I'd be hard pressed to agree with anybody about Zach Collins being here uh, when Yasmani Grandal eventually returns. I, yeah, I really no, I, would be hard pressed. The only, the only thing that I go back to is like, I haven't heard, 
really anybody. And I know he's caught the I know he caught the no hitter for Rodon earlier this year. Collins did. Yeah. That's that's great. That's a huge accomplishment. I, I I'm I'm happy that Collins was there to do that. Like I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna go shit on a guy who's who's caught one of those. But when you've got your ace of the staff, and that's Lance Lynn talking about Sebi Zavala being the complete package behind the plate. And you've got Lucas Giolito now throwing to, I think it's Sebi Zavala for like three games in a row. Um, like it, it just tells me that there's, and I guess, there's I guess a you can stop there. me. I guess you can stop me. Yes. There's familiarity with both of them for Lucas. I, I said comfortability. Oh, because, comfortability. Yeah. Because yeah. It, I mean, I don't think Lance Lynn's just going to come out and talk shit and say that. I mean, what does he gain from that? No, Lance Lynn doesn't gain anything for, for going there. And, and outside of trying to prop Sebi up a little bit, uh, you know, and give him some extra confidence. Like Lance Lynn gains nothing from saying like, oh, Sebi's Val is the complete package behind the plate or anything like that outside of just pure genuineness from him. Right. Because, and, and if you go back, it, it, you go one at, or two ways, Tony, with that, because you could upset Collins while propping up Sebi and knowing Sebi can't catch every day. I mean, he said that because he feels confident. It's a comfortability thing. I mean, and, and, and this, that, that's coming from the guy that they asked, like, he's hey, a like, Cy you, Young race. He might yeah, win he, it. He, 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 he should, he should win the Cy Young this year. And if you, if you go back and you look at Lance Lynn's comments, it's like, or are you hyped up for the field of dreams game? And he's like, well, yeah, I'm going to be like, how are you preparing for it? And he's like, I'm going to throw the ball and the catcher is going to catch it. So, you know, like he, he's just so simple minded with some of his comments. It's like, okay. So when he goes and he praises a guy like Sebi Zavala behind the plate, like that means something to me because the other questions you ask Lance Lynn He's going to give you like the most simple answer. And the most simple answer for him is, is, is what he's going to go to like nine times out of 10. And when you say, how is Sebi's Zavala behind the plate? And the guy puts a little bit of an elaboration behind it. Like, obviously he has some sort of feeling and, and, and like you said, level of comfortability throwing to Sebi's Zavala. And that says something to me about, you know, who should probably be here when Yaz comes back. So I think we, I think we beat that dead horse a little bit. Uh, if I enough. could bring something up too, yeah, I'd go like ahead. To, I'd like to bring up another, not in the catching realm of things. Like you said, I think we've had enough. I think we've had enough with that conversation. So there's a tweet that I put out earlier today um, on my Twitter, and I had just basically said what Yo Mankata has done over the last 20 games. Okay, uh, obviously he is in some sort of hell of a slump. Uh, has not been the Yo Mankata that we've been accustomed to, and then he had, you know, he was batting damn near 300 up in July. No, June, the end of June going into July. Um, you know, he was right there, and then the slump kind of started that he has not br- broken out of. So I got some, a little bit of uh, a heat for it because, oh, he will figure it out. Listen, I love Mankata. There's one current jersey that I have besides when my TA jersey, uh, you know, jersey arrives, and that's Yoan Mankata. I'm a, I'm a believer in Yoan Mankata, but I want to give people a little bit of sample size of why I'm a little bit worried. Um, hopefully he figures it out again. Oh boy, you don't want to wind up on the ban list. I don't give a fuck. Yomakata is batting 200 with 37 hits, five home runs, 19 RBIs, and 22 runs scored in his last 50 games. Uh, so let, let me equate to that for people that don't care about batting average. Uh, he's had 185 at bats in that time. He has hit eight doubles, one triple. Again, I've already told you he hit five homers, drove in 19. Um, Batting average was 200. Slugging is 335. His on-base percentage is 297 in his last 50 with a 632 OPS. So, again, can he break out of it? Absolutely. Um, You know, that's definitely fair to say. He can absolutely break out of it. Um, Right now, when he comes up 
in positions to get the job done. It hasn't been very good. Uh, has not worked out for the Sox. He's striking out again a lot at the plate. Um, he seems to be chasing a little bit. And this all ties into the point that I'm making. is When you have your guys that you really need to rely on when you, for some reason, can't score with runners in scoring position. So let's talk about Saturday for one sec. Tone, we'll tie it right into Sunday. We're not spending too much time on Saturday. But Saturday's game, the White Sox went 1-for-12 with runners in scoring position. Okay, They follow that up on Sunday. Okay. They follow that up on Sunday with a two for six performance with runners in scoring position. That is something that needs to change. And I really think Mankata's bat needs to wake up because I am seeing the guys that are batting in front of him being one Jose Abreu, one Eloy Jimenez and Vaughn's kind of, you know, I know he's batting in front of him right now. But it's been kind of Vaughn's, been, Vaughn's been in and out, and I he's think he's been that, a little bit in and out. But that that guy has people in front of him. Is my point is, yeah, is, is that they're getting on base, and the job ain't getting done, and and, and that's uh, a little bit of a concern for me. Again, I'm not being like, oh my god, Rick, trade him, or I'm not a Makata hater. I love Makata. I just hope he figures it out because when you have all these things go wrong at once, like bullpen or this guy's not hitting or you're struggling here, or this guy, you know. It becomes an issue. And maybe it's not a very serious issue, but we're talking about the right now. We're not talking about October. We're talking about the right now and what we're seeing with our eyes. And it's something that I'm a little concerned about. So you're concerned about him. I'm concerned about him as well. And, uh, you know, one thing that's happened here, uh, just something that I've noticed is as we've gotten guys back in the lineup and healthy, one being Eli Jimenez, another being Luis Robert, um, you know, Yohan Mancata was a two, three, four guy earlier this year when the team was depleted. And now you're seeing him back in like that five, six. What was he today? Seven? Or that was Robert. Today was seven. But he was you, six you, today. You, you've seen Yohan Mancata slowly slide down the batting line. I'm sorry. He was five today. I apologize. Five today. No, okay. no. That was Saturday. I'm sorry, Tony. God damn it. I was looking at Saturday. Yeah. Still. Flipping back in between these things. Yeah. I was flipping back in between. I apologize. He 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 was six today. He was I, six today. I, I, yeah. I so you, you've seen Yohan Mancata slide down from the top of the order. You've seen Yohan Mancata, you know, go through Yohan Mancata things. And, and Steve and I, honestly, and we'll talk a little bit about Field of Dreams later for those who are tuned in to, to hear some of that stuff. But on the drive down to Iowa with Steve, uh, we spent a considerable portion of the ride talking about Yohan Mancata and just the struggles. And I go back to every single time, the electricity in the ballpark when Yohan Mancata arrived to the White Sox was, was the first like flag posted in the rebuild it was that first moment when White Sox fans felt hope for this team you're talking about a guy who was a former number one MLB prospect you're talking about a guy who you know when he was in the minors and even with the Red Sox it was this guy is going to be an absolute superstar buzz am I wrong you're on mute Oh my God. No, I still have that feeling right now that he will be a superstar. I still right. have so, that feeling. I'm not shitting. I, I'm just saying. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just asking you like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not like, because in my mind, this guy was supposed to be a superstar for the Chicago White Sox. Like the guy that you want up in clutch situations, the guy that's always going to get the job done. That's Yon Mankata. Yeah. And to me, as we've gone through each season, 
And I know there was, you know, the COVID ravage season, the guy has, has had his fair share of injuries and nagging things and everything. There's just been that thing with Yon Moncada, where if he is like, I just, I just look at guys who who run down to first base and something doesn't feel right. And the trainer's got to come out. I think the trainers come out for Yon Moncada more than anybody else on this team, whether or not he stays in the game or he's removed from the game just feels like he's out there all the time. There's been so many times where Yohan Mankata has had a like the, the hardest hit baseball that goes right into somebody's glove. It's like there's a lot been, of bad luck. Is our, our it's just, Jordan Miller says a lot. It's a lot of yeah, bad luck. Th- th- there's a lot of bad luck there, but there's also there's also one thing that I said to Steve on the ride down was Jose Abreu. This might come off as a hot take. This might be my meatball take of the day, Buzz. Oh, so let's cook the, let, let me get a fork. Let's cook it up. You got a fork down there? I'm, I'm, no, I don't this think one's going to be spicy. All right. <laughs> this one's going to be really spicy. You might not even want to eat it. Okay. All right. For a guy that has somewhat, you know, kind of been the guy that everybody's looked at to as like, you know, Jose Abreu's mentor. He's going to be this superstar. He is. You know the you know the guy that we traded our our best piece for Chris Sale. I know you got Michael Kopech back there, but the the, the centerpiece of this deal was Yohan Moncada. He is he is hurt a lot, or isn't getting the job done as much for somebody that was supposedly under the wings of your MVP and Jose Abreu, who you literally can't take off the field, and the trainer's out for this guy all the time. I don't know what 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 it is about that, but. I just want Jose Abreu to teach him some toughness, that that same aspect that you get from Jose Abreu. I feel like you lack from Johan Moncada. If I, if I can say something really quick, in, in my opinion, you could be wrong, and I've been wrong a million times in my life. You cannot teach toughness. That's something that I don't think that can be taught. You either have it or you don't. And I do believe that Moncada, you know, I mean, it, it, okay, so in 2018, when, when he played his first full year, he, he played 149 games. 2019, he played 132, so he missed 30 of them. We remember the injury that took place there, and that was his best year that he actually had, 315, 367, 548, 25 long balls that year. Uh, 52 games in a 60-game season last year in 2020. I do, and he's played 105 this year. So I do understand where you're coming from, but I'm going to throw a counterpoint. I I see how it is perceived that way because anytime he's rounding the bases and slides, you have that cringe moment like, ah, you know, like I don't want to lose this guy. We've seen him be banged up a little bit, Mm -hmm. missed a couple games here and there. Uh, my old man who probably today wouldn't be able to have baseball conversations because he does not believe, not that he doesn't believe in the advanced stats. I'm sure if you were to sit down with him and kind of teach him that kind of shit, he would be uh, open to it. Maybe a little subjective, but open to it. Um, but he had a good point about Mankata when we were talking about it. It was just like he wonders if he kind of related it to a guy I'm not sure if you're too familiar with, but early years Ron Artest which is a basketball player who named himself Meta World Peace, where there's so many other interests going on in your life, you know, and you have your music or you're a young guy and you're getting all this money and you're, you know, famous a lot, maybe a mental thing. And I'm not saying it's like a bad mental thing. I'm just saying like, maybe your interests are drawn somewhere else and you have a hard time focusing and you have a lot of other interests on your mind where you don't have your full interest into. I, I love where you're going with baseball. This. I don't I love know. where you're going with. Yeah. This. I don't know if that's the case. with Because I've never had a beer with you on Mankata. I've never talked I, to you. Yeah. Mankata. I don't, I don't, I don't know either, but that's kind of where I'm at with you on Mankata is here's this really hyped up guy 
who has all the talent in the world. But my questions with it, Buzz, are like, is is he truly like working as hard? Because you see Eloy Jimenez, you see the way they market Eloy Jimenez, you see the way they market Jose Abreu, you see the way they market some of this stuff. For a guy that was a centerpiece, like look back and like I just don't feel that they market him Many as that fans long. call him the best player on the team. Many fans. I know, I, mean, he, I think he's know, got the most. I think he's got the I most. Think he talent. has the most talent. I think he's team. got the most talent. I think but, by far and away, if if the hundred percent, I'll ask you this right now. I'll ask you this right now. I, th- yeah. I think he's got the most talent. But who do you want up with, like two out, bottom of the ninth? You're down by a run, bases loaded. Andrew Vaughn or Yohan Moncada? Jesus Christ, uh, Eloy Jimenez. But he's not I'll, an option. Oh, he was not an option. I'm sorry. Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn or Yohan Moncada. You need a single. Who do you want up? Oh, that's fucked up, Tony. Um, who do you who do you want up? If the White Sox are in I'm an elimination take, game right in the now, playoffs, right now I'm gonna take Moncada. And I know that I know that is probably not the answer you were thinking or looking for, but just because Vaughn's a rookie and Vaughn is outperforming him at this point in time, um, I just Maybe it's stupid faith. I don't. I don't really don't know. Maybe it's stupid yeah. But faith. is that is that just stupid faith built off of his hype? Because and that's, that's fair. Where, that's that could where, that could be yeah, what it is. Where, I think that's where we might get let down. And, and if if maybe Yohan Makata settles in and he's just an average baseball player, this team's going to be fine. But I guess I was just expecting a little bit more. I'm wondering as he gets older, because um, he's still young, man. I mean, Yohan Kata is a young guy. He he is not old by any means necessary. I mean, what is he, 24? 20, oh, I'm sorry, he's 26. I apologize. He's 26 years old. Um, you know, he – maybe it clicks. I, I still feel like I look at Superstar every time I watch him play. I, I just don't know if the motivation and the – you're going to love this line. If the want to to be great is there. And um, because of all of the other interests, I'm sure he wants to be great, right? I mean, of course he does. Of course he wants to be the best third baseman, the best White Sox of all time. But is the want to there because of all of the other interests he might have? And and again, I think that he will be the best player on this team. I I truly believe it. I think he's going to be a guy that we talk about for years, helping us lead to work, you know, leading us to World Series victories. But where I'm sitting right now, this isn't October. This isn't the postseason where I'm sitting right now, thus far, come into the 2021 season. I'm a little concerned. And I think it's fair for people to have concerns. Again, I'm not ripping the guy a new asshole. There's not a reason to. He's a, you know, he is a 2.6 B war player at this point in time. He's batting 250. The power hasn't been there. The slugging isn't all that. But he, you know, he's got OPS plus 100, 900 is league average. I'd like to see that up, obviously. But this is where we're sitting right now. And hopefully it improves. If not, I, I guess it's only time will tell. I can't really speculate. No, I mean you can't. And there's there's, Yohan Moncada has still got uh, an open book uh, to write the the final chapters of his career. And I mean this is still early on. Um, he's in and, chapter and, and, fucking yeah. four of yeah. He's know, in like chapter seven. four. There's there's gonna be a there's gonna be a long way to go with Yohan Moncada's career. Yeah. I like that you bring in some of the other stuff because. A lot of times we forget these guys like are human, like they, they do have other interests and it's, it's man. It gets lost with the money that some of these athletes make Tony. And 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 that's from fans on the outside looking in just dude, like, listen, if we, we love doing this, 
if we made $10 million a year, I just was throwing out a stupid number. You know, if we made $10 million a year, Tony, I think it'd be ignorant for you and I to say right now, like, oh, well, Tony didn't have the greatest podcast because he went and he fucking had a couple rounds of golf or, you know, Buzz was out playing guitar or setting a fire on something like, you know, I mean, it's just fucking, you know, like I have other interests. You have other interests. I understand what you want him to be. But at the end of the day, you're a human being. I, right. believe, I believe it's there. I want him to unleash it because of the money that he does make and, and what he is built to be. And um, our interest in the team. I think that's, that's in the team. Thing. Like our interest in the team is like, I want Yohan Mankata to hit the ball out of the ballpark every single fucking time. Is right. that going to happen? No. Like there, there we are. It's just, but then I also want him to not, I also want him to not limp into first base every single time. Right. Every time he runs down there. So you have to look at these people as humans and not props, but at the same time, that line is blurred because of what uh, financially is happening and, and, and what your investment is on the team, whether that's monetary or whether that's just fucking, you know, your personal, investment is like your, you know, what your mind is set is to it. And like I said, I believe he will be a good player. I am concerned right now because I, I want him to be better. I want him to be what he was built to be. And I think he can get there. I just want it now. Yep. Nope. I'm, I'm right there with you a hundred percent. I wish I, I wish I had a differing take, you know, so we can fight like we did about, you know, Steve stone. Yeah. When we, ag- when we agree, I, I actually like those episodes more. Cause you got me mad last time my face got red. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> we didn't talk for three weeks. So I'm just kidding. Uh, but you know, we, we've had a lot of serious conversation tone, you know, we're 41 minutes into this Sunday fun day, everybody that has thrown comments and interacted and watched. Thank you so much. But tone, I would like to give you the floor for a few minutes here. Can you just, you did not, you were not able to hop on to do a Sunday or I'm sorry, Sunday fun day, a Sox post game after the field of dreams game. And that's not because you didn't want to, that is because you were almost eaten alive by the children of the court. Yes. And I just, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to hear about, you know, your experience at the game, um, your experience trying to get back to the hotel, you know, throw some fun tidbits in here for people to like, you know, vicariously live through you and what you did there. Yeah. So this was, this was absolutely awesome. Uh, first off, thanks to uh, NWI Steve, who's not on tonight on Sunday fun day, but we love Steve. Uh, he'll be back this week. I'm sure. Uh, on one of these post games, if you want to see him. But first off, like Field of Dreams game, this wasn't something that uh, I ever thought I'd get to experience. Just you know, as a as a person, as a baseball fan, I know that there's you know varying takes about the movie in and of itself, or you know whether or not you liked it, thought it was corny, all the other stuff. You know, corny. We'll get into some corn stuff uh, here as we go along. But Buzz, I mean, this was just I I, I don't think baseball helps itself a lot when it comes to, you know, good fan experiences or doing the right marketing things. This is the first time outside of going to fan fest at McCormick place when the, the white Sox had the all-star game in 2003 as a kid, where I was like, this is awesome. This is a baseball thing. That's absolutely awesome. This, and it was every, every aspect about the field of dreams game was so awesome. It, you being there in person. Now I, I know, I, I know you didn't get to like, see all the, the cool cutaways on the, so I did. So I, I will preface this. I watched the game in its entirety afterwards and I'm going to, I'm going to get into a little bit. Yeah. Of, so give, of, give, of give both me of those things. Give me the there in person uh, when, you know, like the players start coming out of the cornfield and all of that. Like, give me that yes. there in person so in, in the atmosphere. I'll, I'll, I'll run. I'll run this down from the 
from the aspect of, you know, from the moment we walked in. So you, we, we go down this dirt road, right? You know, you're coming down this dirt road, heading towards the field of dreams and you, you get put into this parking lot, which is what I would imagine in most years, somebody's, somebody's like fucking crap, man. Like we're not in lot B anymore. You're pulling in, you're seeing people tailgating. It's, it's fucking fantastic. There's white Sox flags flying like it's lot B and out in the distance, all you can really see buzz are, are lights for, for a stadium. And you're in the middle of, of absolutely fucking nowhere. And you know, you're on the set of a movie that, you know, it, it, it's, it means a lot to people. It means a lot to baseball fans. It's, it's, it's a, it's a cult classic, if you will. So you pull up and you're like, at this point in time, from where we parked, and we got in there pretty much right when it started, uh, from where we parked, you couldn't see the, the the house. You couldn't see the actual field of dreams. You just saw some corn. You saw some 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 cars and tents and, and things. And I pulled in uh, with Steve to the lot, and we get out of the car, and it's like, okay, this is going to be a long walk. This is going to be a decently long walk. You walk through, and, and as I'm walking up, I'm just like, "Where, where is the movie set? Like, where, where's the actual field of dreams?" Get through security, and you're greeted by this little sign and this little bridge, and right across it are, you know, the house that the movie was shot in, the field of dreams. There's a couple hundred people out there. You've got guys walking around, uh, you know, in in 1919, 1920 White Sox uniforms, taking pictures with people. There's a giant Budweiser truck. I'm like, this is, this is my heaven. This is le- like, like legitimately my heaven. It's not heaven. It's Iowa. It's not heaven, but it's Iowa, but it's my heaven because you've got, you've got a Budweiser truck. You've got a, a, a good baseball movie set that you've got here and you've got all this corn and off in the distance, you've got this, this giant field uh, with these light posts and everything. So we walk in and we're immediately greeted by the, uh, the, the Chevrolet stand that's given out um, these hot dog inside of apple pies. And I, I, I'm not an adventurous eating person, Buzz. I don't know if you are, but I'm like, Steve, this is your game right here. You're a hot dog guy. Let's let's get you a an apple pie hot dog. And what I thought, I was like, this is going to be like 13 bucks, right? Like to try and get him an apple pie hot dog. It was free. It was free. It was like the first time I've ever been to an event. To a sporting event, nonetheless. To a sporting event. And there's like free food. So like he's waiting in line. I'm standing on the side. I said, I'm going to take a video of you like eating this so we can review it and all this other stuff. And I'm like, here, here, here you go. Like this is on me. I just want the content. He walks up free bottle of water, free apple pie hot dog. I'm like, this is interesting. This is absolutely interesting to me because they're giving away free stuff. Steve eats it. He said it was way too much apple pie, not enough hot dog here nor there they're giving away free food so i'm like this is this is interesting because i knew that the prices of the tickets were high so i'm like oh is is everything going to be free no of course not because mlb needs their money but i thought that it was a cool touch that would like the first thing you saw when you walk through there is some free food for everybody so props to the mlb props to chevrolet props to uh, guy fieri who i guess created these things um so got that went grabbed some budweiser's from the budweiser train car which was really cool. They had uh, a second level on that thing. So you can go up, up on top and you had a great view of the, of the field um, out in the distance. So we made our way from there. We went out by the field. We ran into uh, Ron Kittle. Uh, we talked to Ron Kittle for a little while, uh, which was awesome. Um, 
went on from there, just kind of walked around the field a little bit. And then what was interesting to me was they didn't really tell people like how you're going to get to the field. Like I knew that they said you're going to have to walk through, walk through the corn, but I thought that there would be an opening. I thought that there would be like some center field opening. So yet you actually kind of like had to get out on the field. And then we ran into uh, Sam, Sam Mendelson. Uh, we talked to him for a little bit out in uh, out in left field of the actual Field of Dreams movie set. And we're like, okay, let's go watch BP. So we start looking around. We're like, how do you get to the field? And then we realized, and maybe this is just my own ignorance, but it was really cool for me. You actually had to walk through the corn in center field to get through that. So that's awesome. You just start you just start seeing people like randomly, and this is like maybe two or three hours before the ball game starts. You see people walking out into the corn. You thought like, okay, they're just going out there to take pictures and walk back through, but people are legitimately just disappearing into the corn and not coming back. Some say they never came out. Because yeah, they, well, <laughs> because they were they were going through to the ballpark. Yeah, which I thought was just the most excellent touch of the night. And when you get to the corn, they had speakers planted there that were playing kind of the music from the Field of Dreams. And you're walking through, and you've got like James Earl Jones like pumping his speech about like you know baseball and all this other stuff. And and, and right there, like that's where I started to get the goosebumps. Is walking through the corn to go to this path where they've got the corn maze and the, and the actual baseball field, every single person who attended that baseball game had to have that experience where you disappear into the corn, just like the baseball players did in the field of dreams. And I thought that that was just such an excellent touch to the night that like not one person who went there is not going to remember because it's the weirdest thing. You're used to security lines. You're used to, you know, walking up a ramp or you're used to just walking into a baseball field. You, you just like, you, you did something that was cool. And so you go through that. They had beer vendors there aplenty. There were tons of concessions out there. Uh, the only complaint I had was the metal bleachers. Um, they were hot, a little hot, uh, during BP. When I say a little hot, it was very hot. Uh, but you know, we watched BP, we hung out around there. We took a tour around, uh, around the stadium, kind of walked around. One thing that I'd really liked that they did buzz is they didn't section people off, especially during, uh, the pregame. You can pretty much get wherever you wanted to, uh, throughout the field and go down and, and watch BP and, and do what you needed to do. Uh, not a lot of shade. It was hot at that point in time. Uh, we watched BP. Things were a little toasty. You know, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was sweating a little bit. But then we headed back over to the field, went to the gift shop, um, you know, looked at the house again, kind of just, you know, took in the took in the scene a little bit and then uh, headed back on over to the field. What I didn't realize is how much I was actually walking because I just wanted to experience the whole entire thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, so that that was pregame. I mean, it was really cool. It was, it was basically – you know, a tailgate inside there, they had cornhole set up or bags as we like to call it in Chicago out in the field, uh, out in the right field, field of dreams area. There was people playing catch with their kids. Like it was just, it was just baseball, man. It was, it was everything that you would want to see in a pregame, except it was on the field of dreams, which just made it just so picturesque. So cool. Um, lots of things to do for baseball fans, free food, uh, beers, 
they actually ran out of Budweiser before first pitch on the field of dream side. I can't tell you whether or not I contributed to some of that, but I'm sure there were other people contributing to it. But I think that that's proud. Like you get there and they say, you know, like maybe 20 minutes before first pitch, you walk up to the beer stand and they're like, all we have left are Michelob Ultras. So, Hey, that's a good day for Budweiser. That's a good day for me, but let's, let's get into some of the game stuff. So we get there and uh, you know, I, I want to talk about your aspect because I watched this from TV. I watched it from the TV side. The first thing you guys got was Kevin Costner walking out of yeah. the corn. That was basically your first scene of yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, so you know, how, how were you feeling during that? Uh, you know, I'm a Field of Dreams fan. I know a lot of people hate on the movie, but I don't know. I, I loved baseball when I was a kid. I thought it was a cool movie. Plus, you know, the thing with the dad always gets me because I have just my dad. You know, that's my – there's my piece for people that listen to this podcast. I'm close with my dad. He raised me by himself. That's my thing. I'm – love my dad. So anything that comes to that about having a tumultuous relationship or, or whatever, and then getting over it and trying to make come to peace, like anything with a dad always just fucking gets me. So I love that movie. Uh, let's just put that out there. The presentation was fantastic. Like I told you at the beginning of the episode, I, I, I don't really have much to say because the presentation the MLB put on was fantastic. It was a home run Costner coming out here in James Earl Jones, the announcers talking about it, the players and how excited they looked and the coming out of the cornfield and all of that. I mean, it was just, it was just magical. I mean, it was just, it was a moment where I knew whether I was there or not. I, of course I won't, I wish I could have been, but you know, work and other obligations, um, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get it off, but uh, you know, watching it, you knew you were watching something special. And I, I just think that was a very, very cool presentation that was put on. And uh, I can't imagine for what it was like for the people that were there, but I, they made you, I, I will say this when you're at home, like for today, right. You and I didn't go to the game today. Uh, I get serious cases of FOMO when I'm at home. Um, I will say for field of dreams, I didn't get that. And that's because they made me feel like I was there. So that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. I, I love hearing that. Um, for me, I, I, I actually thought that I was going to enjoy that game more at home just for the theatrical versions. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I was, I was worried that, you know, like this was going to be a movie experience that was, you know, better seen from TV. And, and that was my, that was my, I guess, caution with it was like, Hey, this is something that I feel like I should be, you know, consuming as a movie. And, and I thought like, after I watched it, uh, you know, people who were not still got that experience. But what was, what was really awesome for me was, you know, you're sitting in the stands and it's it's kind of like the players just disappear, you know. Like they come in after their warm ups, they disappear, and then it just gets quiet there. Like they it got quiet for a little while, and you're sitting there waiting, and the music cues up, and and like we knew that pe- like the players were going to come out of the cornfield, right? Like I knew that that was going to happen. What I didn't expect was that like the full teams were going to come out or that Costner was going to come out and there was going to be this thing. So sitting there with Steve, you know, you're waiting, you're drinking a beer and we're just like, okay, they're going to do something theatrical here. Costner comes out and the music's playing and he's walking along the line, like he's walking on through the outfield and my phone just starts blowing up. I'm not going to lie. Like my phone starts blowing up with a bunch of guys who love baseball and I'm not going to name names, but I'm, I'm I'm getting texts from people like, oh, my God, I just started bawling my eyes out. Like, this is 
this is incredible. As the players are walking out on the field and, you know, you're getting texts from people and I'm sending pictures back and forth and everybody I knew, everybody that I talked to, um, you know, just about baseball and stuff. And, you know, we've got the socks on tap chat and, and all such. Everybody at that moment, the coolest part for me was that like baseball was the center of the universe at that moment. Everybody stopped a lot. Like the, 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 your casual baseball fan, it doesn't even matter if it's, you know, white Sox fan. It's just your casual baseball fan. A lot of people fucking were tuned in to that moment. And I thought that it was just, it was so genuine and yet scripted at the same time. But it was so cool the way they did it because put it this way. I don't think there was anybody who even knew how the players got into the corn at that point in time, because when you're watching it live from Iowa, nobody saw everybody like stage up out there. You couldn't, you couldn't fucking see it. And they all just start pouring out of the corn. And then when it goes to commercial break, this is the one thing that I thought was the live experience that kind of like inundated the crowd with this, this overly sentimental like moment of nostalgia when it went to commercial and when they were interviewing Aaron Boone during that time, after Costner comes out and you've got all the players on the field and you hear the national anthem, it broke to the James Earl Jones speech for the crowd. And so before the game, you're hearing one of the the most recited lines in, in baseball, you know, lore or whatever in, in baseball pop culture from, from, from James Earl Jones talking about, you know, uh, you know, just how baseball has been there through all the years and everything. And it's like, how do you not text your dad at that point in time? And what was crazy to me is I watch every White Sox game, Buzz. I know you do too. During that little intro and while all this is going on, you know, my, my grandfather's calling me, my dad's texting me, my uncles, guys that, you know, like were there for me when I was a kid who knew I was at the game and they're like, this is so cool. And, and for me there, I'm like, I'm just choking up at this point in time because this was baseball heaven. And, and I watched the game again, like I said, a couple times and Joe Buck commented on, um, you he know, did a how, phenomenal how, job by the way. How, well, a lot of people don't like Joe Buck, but I thought he did a good job. I thought he did a good job as well, but he, he commented on how the crowd was silent. And I think part of the reason the crowd was so silent was like, it, it felt like being in church for me. Like as a baseball fan, Buzz, it felt like being in church. Yeah, you, no, were in, I mean, you, were in, you were in baseball's church those first few innings. It didn't matter what happened. It didn't matter who was going to win this game. This was something that was so special. This was something that was so unique. This was something that was so just – out of the ordinary. And it was for just some people such a, it was a once in a lifetime experience. It was. Yeah, it, it was. And I know we're going to talk about, you know, the field of dreams game two that they're going to do next year. And, and, and as stuff. they, and as they should, as they should, it, it was a huge success. And yeah, you know, sometimes does it, does it suck? Uh, you know, doing something twice and trying to catch lightning in a bottle again, of course, maybe it won't work out, but MLB again, this is probably one of the best things they've done in years where Rob Manfred and company are gathering praise from, because this was a, a huge monumental moment. Um, 
Now, obviously, as the game went on tone, it was, you know, it got crazy. Sox, you know, go down early. They take, or I'm sorry, they, they lead. They get the home run from Abreu. I'm not going to break down the game, but they lose the lead. I want you to talk about the bottom of the ninth. That's what I want to go at because I know that's what a lot of people are dying for right now. Yeah, I know a lot of people want to hear about the bottom of the ninth. And and just before that, uh, one of the other cool moments that uh, I guess are, um, you know, noteworthy, uh, and Mike brought it up, it was a perfect presentation. And, yes, we saw Tony on TV, Tony and Steve on TV just soaking it all in. Uh, that That is the most my phone has ever blown up in my entire life. I just, I just have to say that like that was unreal because I'm sitting there and we're just watching this game. And all of a sudden the guy next to me, this is how I found out about it. The guy next to me like taps me on the shoulder and he's like, we were just on TV. I'm like, what do you mean? We were just on TV. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like my wife's at home and she saw us on TV and I'm like, what do you mean? And so he shows me this text and it's got like, him circled on like the iPhone, like, you know, edit. And it's like, got like a, an arrow down to him. And it's like, Aldo. And like, I'm sitting next to him, like half fucking like grayed out by this fucking uh, line that, you know, somebody Photoshopped on it. I'm like, send it to me. Like, I don't even care. Just send it to me. And I had it too. And then like, dude, like you're texting me, Johnny's texting me. My dad's texting me. Everybody's fucking texting me. Like, dude, you were just on TV. And I'm getting all these different versions of stuff. And then I don't know who got the, the version of me so small, but that's, <laughs> I don't know who got the version of me so small. I'm sure you saw it. Well, sure you saw honestly, it. that was a real picture. Um, You know, which is funny is because yeah, you, no, reverted, somebody, you, re, you reverted to childhood because you were so I happy did. to be there. Yeah, no, well, that's what I wanted to get to is I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Jen after the game and like, just, this is just pure emotion for me. I'm talking, she's like, you look like a little kid. And I'm like, I felt like a little kid the entire time I was there. I believe Absolutely the universe felt, works in those kind of ways. To Absolutely felt like a little kid. That, that's how small I was. That's yeah, how no, small I was. That's how insignificant I felt in the whole moment of everything that was going on there because it just felt so much larger than life being there. So let's get to the ninth inning. Let, yeah. right, let's get to the ninth inning. You got Liam Hendricks in, um, you know, the home runs. It, it just, it, at that moment, it felt so lost like the whole night legitimately felt lost i'm looking at steve i'm like this is gonna be a long long fucking car ride home which it turned out to be a long car ride home but uh at at that point it was like this is gonna be a long car ride home they blow this this is just you know this is this is white Sox yankees right here like this is not good and i know the yankees were, were propped up throughout that game but what was really interesting was the the tension and the the just silence kind of throughout that ninth inning as things are going on. And then you get the Zavala walk and then you get Tim Anderson back up to bat. When he hit that ball, there has never been. Did more... you know? We, we, we knew. Because, we you know, like, it. you know, when me and you were at games and like when we like remember when we were at the fucking five or six home run game. Uh, uh, yes. Well, yeah. And like me and you, every time the bat would smack the ball, we'd be like, yo. And like, we knew, like, did you know it was off the bat there? Did you know? I, I, I'm going to say this from where we were sitting, it was kind of hard to track the ball out to right field. Okay. Just the way the lights were um, and how dark it was surrounding the ballpark. And you just had these bright ass lights. I didn't know where it was going. I was watching Tim Anderson the whole time. So I was judging it off of, 
his body language, his, his body language and reaction. So I'm I'm kind of dead center on Tim Anderson. Steve and I talked about this on the ride home. He's like, I lost the ball. I was trying to track it. I was looking at TA and the ball gets out. But what catches your eye out of everywhere, which was, I think, the, the, the pinnacle of the night, and I'm sure they had the fireworks staged for even if there was a save or anything. What sucks in the whole thing is that I would have liked them to shut the game down. I would have loved Hendricks to, to shut it down because we wouldn't have had the discussion about the bullpen if we didn't have these issues that have arised. But from a story-esque picture, from a movie standpoint, and I know you guys called it a movie, that's your perfect movie ending. The way that the place just lit up with the fireworks. I had the video camera out in like two seconds, videoing the whole thing. The crowd was going wild. I was going wild. I lost my voice. I finally had it back after like three days because of how loud everybody was screaming. I mean, my phone went fucking flying when people were fucking jumping up and down. It was pure pandemonium. It was absolute electricity. Everybody was happy. I think there were a lot of Iowans who were there. This was the first time watching any sort of baseball. There was not a greater moment for baseball than when Tim Anderson hit that home run. And it was just the perfect cap to the night buzz. Nobody there knew that that's that, that batter's eye was going to light up with fireworks the way they did. And that was probably the best firework display I've ever seen in my life. And you yeah. know, I fucking love fireworks. I fucking love fireworks. I'm just glad you had such a great time, man. I, I I'm glad you had such a great time. Um, and in hearing your perspective from being there in person and just kind of absorbing the information that you just brought and just kind of like, again, vicarious living through you, uh, in that moment, uh, TV was great. Felt like I was there, but hearing your experience there in person is just fantastic. I, I really, uh, I, I know we're over an hour and five here. Um, I will do this review unless you have anything else to touch on on this game before we move into tomorrow's series and our picks to click. I think we're ready to move on. Let's do it. I, I again, thanks for sharing all that, dude. Because that, it, again, you know, it, it's just amazing to hear you know somebody's perspective, who was there, and and how they, you know, how they absorbed everything that they were taking in. Because it's a, it's a special moment, and I know you know I, I'm not a very emotional cat unless it's like you know usually anger if I get pissed off or something. But like before we move on, I guess I got one question: How emotional were you? During not at not at all. Not at all. Okay. No, I mean I had goosebumps like where I thought it was like a really cool moment. You know, like I had like the goosebumps where I knew and I was respecting something that was just so fucking unique and just and, and fresh. Um, I, I that's all I really had. I, I I typically don't get like that. I mean, like I said, it's usually anger that comes out of me, like, like the double and shit. Like I'm, I'll usually be happy and like roaring, but when it comes to like you know teary eyed of something like that doesn't typically happen to me very much. Um, Except when my kid rode her bike today, I got a little teary eyed because I was excited. Not without training wheels, but she was pedaling like a motherfucker. So that's the there only times go. I ever get yeah, like, no, you know, teary eyed about something. I have a, I have a problem. I get romantic about baseball. It is what it it's is. It's not a problem. And it's something that I mean, we both enjoy it. It's just other pe- people just show different perspective. You know, it, it's a different perspective. Not maybe a perspective. It's just a different feeling that you have and how people react to the feelings that they have in their system. Like that's all it is. It's not you know cool. It's not lame or anything. If people got emotional about it, you don't know how somebody related with their mother. Or their father over the game you have no idea you know so if they got emotional about it and brought out you know emotions that typically don't come out that's that's fine but um yeah i'm, I'm, I'm really glad you got to go and i'm really glad that you and steve got to have a great time but tomorrow 
the White Sox will take on the Oakland Athletics. That is at Guaranteed Rate Field, 7 p.m. Frankie Montas, uh, Frankie Montas, I'm sorry, 9-8 and eight with a 3.98 ERA, 131 innings pitched, let up 126 hits, struck out 146, 36 walks, 16 home runs, let up going up against Big D. Diamond, Dallas Keuchel, 7-6, 4.51 ERA, 125 and two-third innings pitched, 125 hits let up, 77 strikeouts, 42 walks, 21 long balls let up. Tone, Oakland is 68-50. and 50. They are a very good team. It's going to be another test for the White Sox. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to go with my pick to click right off the bat. And that, yeah, I'll probably cry when we win the World Series. That probably will happen. Um, I'm going to go with uh, TA tomorrow. It seems when I pick TA, he performs. I'm going TA with the pick to click. Who you got? You know, I love my guy Gavin Sheets down in, in Charlotte. He hit another bomb today. Um, I know that that's, you know, you know, highly contentious here because, uh, he's not in the lineup, but I, you know, Gavin Sheets, man, I wish he was here. I'm sorry, White Sox sale. Another meatball take. I wish he was here over Jay Clam. I have I'm, to bring I'm, it up. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we're all there. But is he your pick to click? Is he going to hit a ball? No, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going with him tomorrow. I want Eloy Jimenez. Okay, that's perfect. Eloy Jimenez. That's perfect. Everybody, thank you so much for joining in on the live stream of Socks on Tap Sunday Fun Day. Tony, thank you for sharing the Field of Dreams experience that you and our big brother NWI Steve took part in. We will be back tomorrow in some variation of the crew after the White Sox hopefully beat the Oakland Athletics. In the meantime, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for other Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at SoxOnTap at ontapsportsnet. Following Tony at TonyOnTap and me at BuzzOnTap. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. Five-star rating and review because that's cool and tough. Any White Sox gear, Field of Dreams gear, any gear you need, White Sox related or Chicago sports related, check out Grandstand. Go to GrandstandSox.com. Follow them on socials at GrandstandSox. Or if you're at the ballpark, just walk over there. They'll hook you up. We'll be back tomorrow, like I said, White Sox forever. White Sox forever.